morning is I want to talk about the greatness of the exalted risen Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, the only crown he was ever given was a crown of thorns to mock him and hurt him. Um, But then he didn't stay dead. And his father heaped on him many, many crowns after he came back from the dead. So I want to uh, read a few scriptures and then pray and then read a lot more scriptures, just lifting up Jesus Christ and who he is today for us. So, after Jesus came back from the dead, he spent about 40 days proving that he was alive to his disciples, and then he went back up to heaven, and on the day of Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit down into the church to empower them for their life in the world and their mission of spreading the gospel around the entire planet. And on that first day of Pentecost, um, Jerusalem was swollen again with worshipers who, who had come for their, I think it was the Feast of Booths. And uh, as the Spirit was poured out, it was something that visibly happened and was showing. And so a crowd gathered around and Peter preached to the, these people. And I want to read two quotations from Peter on this Pentecost speech. Acts chapter 2, verse, starting verse 22, Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then skipping down to verse 36, Peter says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then skipping over to Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray together. Father, I am just so grateful for this morning. I'm grateful for this day in the calendar that we get to remember that there was a moment in history when the stone was rolled away and a living Jesus of Nazareth walked out of his tomb the beginning of an eternal human life that would never end and the source of all eternal life, this God-man. And so, God, thank you that we get to remember it. And, Father, your word promises us that as we hear your word with faith, you supply the Holy Spirit and work miracles in our midst. And so, God, I ask that you would do this again for your glory. Father, miracles of understanding, miracles of clear-mindedness, miracles of heart set free, miracles of healing, miracles of your kingdom coming and your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray for a particular grace for the kids. They often go upstairs. But Lord, this is no accident. They're going to hear about the glories of Jesus amongst us. So would you put things into their hearts that would count for eternity? In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen. The first crown of Jesus Christ. I'm listing seven. You could probably add more. And yes and amen. And isn't that what eternal life is going to be doing? Oh, 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 oh. Let's worship him for this too. 
isn't that the reason why anyone would want to live forever? Golf would eventually get boring. Jesus does not eventually get boring. You don't run out of things to worship him about. He is the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more you get to know him, the more amazing the fact that he died for you is. His first crown, he is the king of creation. In Colossians, Paul says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all of creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And the author of Hebrews quotes the psalmist and says about Jesus, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You'll roll them up and like a garment, you'll change them, but you are the same and your years have no end. Imagine the soldiers knowing this about Jesus as they tortured him, that he made them and Israel and Rome and wood and nails and physics and chemistry and tears and blood that the one they were crucifying made everything both visible and invisible, knowing that the dark spiritual forces that were driving them to crucify the Messiah were made by the Messiah. Jesus is the creator of all things. Everything that is made was made through him, by the will of the Father, but through the power of the Son, by the Holy Spirit. His first crown is the king of creation. You cannot see or experience anything that Jesus Christ did not make. And it was hidden in his earthly life. People didn't walk around going, wow, Jesus, this is great that you made these fish. They're pretty amazing. They they stink and they're ugly, but they're amazing that they can live underwater well done. But in his resurrection, God was saying, hey, this guy that you thought you could just kill and put in the ground and forget, he actually made everything. When God raised him from the dead, he was proving, this is my son, the Lord and the Christ, the son of God through whom all things were made. His first crown is the fact that he made everything, including us. And he deserves worship for it. If he did nothing else besides make us, he deserves a lifetime of trust and worship. So Christian, this life that you live, live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. He is the King of creation. The next crown of Jesus Christ is he is the Lord of life and death. In a later speech, Peter, preaching to people who were resisting the power of God, I think this was after the paralytic was healed. I want to read a big portion here. Peter says to them, Peter's just healed this guy, which is... He was a paralytic, and now he's running around jumping, kind of hard to argue with. It's not like when somebody has a headache and you pray for them and their headache goes away and you're kind of like, well, how long did it take? Well, three or four days. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, maybe. Maybe that was something. No, he like literally could not walk, and now all of a sudden he's, he's doing the Macarena in, in front of the temple. And everyone's getting all excited about Peter. And Peter says, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though our own power or piety have made him walk? Okay, Christians, let's learn something. Your goodness does not enable you to do powerful things, okay? If you want to pray for people and then be healed, please do not look at your own behavior. You're supposed to be looking at the Lord of life and the power of his name, Amen. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life. 
whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witness, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. This is an amazing thing. He's talking to people who actually participated in crucifying some guy from Nazareth. And he's preaching to them, you crucified the author of life. The one who invented life. The one that decided there would be something besides just rocks and gas and gas and rocks and chemicals. That there would actually be this thing that is a living that breathes and moves and thinks and reacts and responds and created human life. He is the author of it. And somehow he was able to get himself killed. Amazing. But even further, in the book of Revelations, John is seeing Jesus in a vision of heaven. And it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Okay, Hades is the realm of the dead. It's the place where, where do people go when they die? They go to Hades. They go to the realm of the dead. And who owns, has the keys to that place? Amen. Jesus. Gold star. Someone's paying attention. And someone knows how I like to preach. Jesus, Jesus is in charge of death. He has the keys. He's the author of life and he has the keys of death. He, he's in charge. And when he wants to pull people out of death, he can do it. And when he wants to pull people out of death into an everlasting life, he has the right and power to do this. He is the king over creation and he is the Lord of life and death. This Jesus who was crucified 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem and came out of the tomb, he is the Lord and Christ. Know this for certain, church. And the life that you live, live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. The third crown that I want to crown Jesus with, though not me, but just my words acknowledging who he is, is that he is the hero of human history. Amen? Anybody read the news? Anybody ever get worried or frustrated? Guess who's in charge of the news? About an individual human's life, the psalmist says this, he says, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance, so when I wasn't even around to be, you saw me, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as yet when there was none of them. So before you were even a twinkle in your mother's eye or dad's eye, whoever gets the twinkles, before you were even a thought, before you even had grandparents, God had a book written down every day of your life. And not only on the individual scale, but on the entire scale of human history, another portion of Scripture worth reading lots of. Revelations chapter 5, John says, I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, this is referring to the Father, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scrolls and break its seals? And this scroll represents God's purposes for human history. It's the writings that God, what God wants to accomplish. And it's rolled up and it's sealed. It's contained. 
And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open up the scroll and look into it. Just think about that. God's plans for the world completely frustrated and impossible. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes representing his complete power and his complete knowledge, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, representing the Holy Spirit. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God. And from every tribe and language and people and nation you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Jesus Christ is the hero of human history. Whether America rises or falls or Canada rises or falls or Russia rises or falls or China rises or falls or North Korea rises or falls or South Korea rises or falls or Africa rises or falls or Central or South America rises or falls or the EU rises or falls. These are the seals of God's will for human humanity being broken by the Lamb who was slain and the the lion who is conquered. He is ruling. Whatever is going on, Christ is ruling and He is bringing all things towards its destined end, which is His return to finally bring around His complete victory to destroy death and to throw Satan into that lake of fire and to have for Himself a people redeemed from every tribe and tongue throughout the entire planet. Do you know why it's taking so long? Because there's people who aren't saved yet. In some jungle somewhere, or some distant northern place that's frozen all the time, or some island out in Southeast Asia that nobody's landed a boat on yet with a Bible. That's his plan. Every tribe, every nation. And he breaks the seals, bringing human history towards that goal. He is in charge. Church, let's just not be deceived. Christ is in charge. Christ is in charge. Christ is in charge. Amen? Amen. Christ is in charge. We just have no idea what he's doing. And the good stuff hardly ever makes it into the papers. He is the king of creation. He is the Lord of life and death. He's the hero over human humanity. And he's also the head of the church. Colossians chapter 1 again says about Jesus, He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. When Jesus came out of the grave, He wasn't just getting resuscitated like somebody who had drowned at the beach is kind of like, Bleh, and they spit out the salt water, and then they're, ah, it's great. He was starting a brand new resurrection life. And the Holy Spirit joins to Him people through faith so that they begin to share in His resurrected life. And they become so united with Him, they're referred to as his own body 
If you are a believing Christian, you are so united to Christ, it is like having an arm sewn on. You're connected to Him. This is what the church is. It is everybody throughout all of human history who is united by the Holy Spirit and faith to Christ and is drawing off of Him His resurrected life. Do you know who you are, church? You're not who you were and you're not who you would be. You are a miracle. You're connected to Jesus. You're a part of His body. What happens to you happens to Jesus. You're hurting, he's hurting. You're worried, he's worried, which is weird, and that's why he tells us to stop. (laughs) He's raised from the dead, and the church is people united to him, united to him, united to him. We're Jesus' Siamese twin, connected at the Spirit for now. Amen? That's who you are. And nobody can do this. Nobody but Jesus can do this. And it's not like I could wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm going to start my own church. Let's all be united. We just got to sew our skin together. This is going to be so weird. But we're going to have the best clothes. Like just this big, gigantic moo for 500 people. 500 little holes and 300 meters of cloth. And it's going to help you all at your jobs. He's the head of the church and we all get our life from his resurrection life as we're connected to him by the Holy Spirit. But he's also the judge of every individual church. So in Revelations chapter 1, starting in verse 20, it says, Jesus is talking to John because John has seen Jesus walking amongst these seven lampstands and holding these seven stars in his hand. And Jesus explains to him, he says, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Rob, what does this all mean? Well, if you read through Revelations, Jesus addresses every single church and says, I'm the Lord of this church. This is going well. This is not going well. And this is what I want you to do. The living Jesus is the Lord over every local church, including Calvary Chapel. And whenever we gather, he is here. And he is here for our good. And he has his own opinions. And there are things that he wants to approve. And there are things that he wants to change. And we are not just faking it. He's the Lord over the church. He's the head of the body. Crown him with that crown. And the life that you live, live by faith in the head of the body who loved you and gave himself for you. Amen? He's also the Prince of Provision. I've been saying He's the King of Creation. I've been saying He's the Lord of life and death. I've been saying that He is the hero over human history as well as the head of the church. He's also the Prince of Provision. And this is always important to us, right? Because we're only doing as well as we think our finances are doing. Not necessarily. Boy, you could go anywhere in the scripture about this. Let me just remind you of Jesus' walk on the earth, just in regards to fish. I already brought up fish once today. Why don't we bring fish up again? When Peter got saved, he'd spent the entire night out fishing, and how many fish did he catch? No fish, just one goose egg. And then Jesus says, why don't we go and move over here a little bit? And how many fish did they catch? 
Well, maybe not millions, but we don't know because they couldn't haul them all in. All, overnight, Peter's like super rich because those fish are money to him, right? And then, then he says, okay, let's leave this all behind. Another time, there's a crowd of 5,000, and then another time, there's a crowd of like 3,000, and they don't have anything but some bread and some fish. And who, who went home hungry? Nobody. Another time, the tax man was knocking on their door. Thank you, Canadian tax system, where you hardly ever have a tax man knocking on your door. They wanted the temple tax. Jesus could have paid that temple tax any way he wanted to. What did he send them out to do? Go catch a fish. First one you catch is going to have a coin in its mouth, which is still so weird. But do you think that maybe the prince of provision was trying to make a point? I can tell you to go and do something stupid and it will pay your taxes. Stop worrying. When Jesus came back from the dead and they went out fishing again because they didn't know what else to do and they'd been fishing all night and they caught no fish, what did Jesus tell them to do when he was sitting on the shore? Throw it on the other side. And how many fish did they come in, bring in? Something like 153 or something like that. And then Peter dives out of the boat because he says, I've been here before. Yes, it takes me a few times to learn my lesson, but I eventually get there. Jumps into the water, swims to the shore. And what does Jesus already have cooking for them? Fish. Okay, so all we need to do is Google the word fish and Bible. And we've got more than enough evidence to believe that Jesus is the Prince of Provision. The silver is his. The gold is his. He actually thinks rightly that every dollar or every ruple or every kroner in the entire world belongs to him because it does. Because he's the king of creation and he's the Lord of life and he's the hero over human history. Let's trust him. In fact, Christian, this life that you live in the body, why don't you live it by faith in the prince of provision who loves you and gave himself for you. I think we're on number six here. Jesus is the judge of true justice. John 5, I think starting in verse 26, he says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute just judgment because he's the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And in Revelation chapter 20, starting verse 11, John sees a vision and says this. Then I saw a great white throne and, and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found, written in the book of life, He was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus is the true judge. Because he's the son of man, because he laid down his life, because he 
was willing to sacrifice himself and die and be brought back from the dead. He's the true judge, and he is entrusted with the judgment in the world. And he does rule over human history, and he raises up some and brings down others according to his judgment and will. But at the end of time, he will be the judge over every human life. And at that judgment seat, your mom won't be there, and your dad won't be there, and your boss won't be there, and your kids won't be there. Your teachers won't be there. The presidents won't be there. The prime ministers won't be there. Your lawyer won't be there. It'll be you. In the eyes of Jesus. And for everyone who has had faith in him and who is his body, those eyes will be full of his kindness and mercy. Even as he says, you know, some of these things weren't so great, but here you were doing some things by faith in me and I want to give you a reward. But soberingly, the scripture tells us for those who are apart from his mercy and faith in him, there is a lake of fire. And so knowing this, knowing that he's the one on the throne before the lake of fire, how should you live your life? Ultimately, there really is only one opinion that counts. And we know who he is by the scriptures. We know how he will judge by what God has said in his word, but whose opinion should you be living for? There really will be only one opinion that counts. Everybody, listen to me. There is only one man given to be the just judge over every single human being. And he freely gives forgiveness and he generously gives rewards. But he will judge if we've had faith in him or not, if we've rejected him or not. How should you live? Let me invite you This life that you live in the body, why will you not commit yourself to living it by faith in the judge of all justice who has loved you enough to give himself for you and die for you? Finally, let me just say that he is also the sovereign over the spiritual realm. The ruler over both angels and demons. In Hebrews chapter 1, the author of Hebrews writes, And again, when he brings the firstborn, meaning Jesus, into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and ministers of fire. And going a little bit lower, the scriptures say, Are not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Think about this. God has created the world in such a way that there are spiritual beings that uh, don't age and don't die. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. And the good ones all worship Jesus Christ. They all worship him. God said to them, worship my son. And they do it. That's what makes them good. There are also spirits that do not do this. We call them demons or unclean spirits. And Jesus is the sovereign over them as well. How many unclean spirits did Jesus meet and tell them to leave and they just said, ah, forget that noise? I don't think so. No, not one. Not one. They pleaded with him sometimes, please don't send us into the abyss. 
Sometimes they tried to expose him. I know who you are. You're the son of God. He told them to shut up and they had to. And in his name, we also have amazing power over this forces of darkness. The disciples coming back over one healing journey saying, we're amazed because the demons even obey us by your name. Think about it. He said, don't be amazed about that. Be amazed that your names are written in the book of life. Be excited about that. But I want to tell you, because sometimes, you know, you watch a bunch of TV shows and you think um, all the, in- the important stuff is being done by people in weird costumes with vibranium. And you can just think, this is the world. Money, body parts, entertainment, and you can forget that there is an invisible world. The church can forget there is an invisible world. And we can forget that part of the glory of Christ is he is the sovereign over every spirit. The good ones all worship him and love to do his bidding on behalf of the church. And the bad ones must respect his name until that day when he casts them into the lake of fire. Christians, friends, knowing that Jesus is so exalted, why don't you live this life in the flesh by faith in the Son of God? who is the sovereign over every spirit and who loved you and gave himself for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate with communion.